when we think of our self-care rituals, we have to really look at it from, you know, how do I meet my needs? And then don't be scared to change. Is this still meeting my needs? No, I don't really like doing it. Okay, get it off the list. Like you're not proving anything to anyone. If it, if it doesn't bring you joy, there's no point in doing it. Everybody and welcome, welcome, welcome back to Wait Holds Up. We are thrilled to be starting a new year with you. I am Jessica. I'm Yarel and Happy New Year to all of you. Even though we're late in January, I keep on saying Happy New Year to everyone because we all need all the good vibes uh, that we can get this year. We're so excited to be here, Jess. It's so nice to see you and to connect with you as well. I know. I know. I miss you. I'm so bummed that like our episodes are still happening virtually and that we're not in each other's presence. But I feel like we're figuring out this vibe at this point that like Zoom life has become normal life. And I totally am a part of that people who are like, I've got screen fatigue. I don't want to be looking at people this way. I want to be in their space. But at the same time, I don't got a vaccine. I want to try and stay safe (laughs) as possible. Yes. Yes. I think we all started with that sentiment, right? This year of like, we're going to take all the teachings from 2020, which we have, and we're going to change things up. But then the year started a little, you know, interesting too, (laughs) a little rocky. So yeah, but you know what? I think it's also just like this, like not seeing loved ones, this um, understanding of like the the situation with COVID and how it's changed our lives forever. Mm -hmm. I mean, just everything that we do and everything that we're going to be doing in the future. You know, we also, I feel like in, in like a silver lining through it all, like a feeling of like gratefulness and a feeling of like understanding that there's, there's also in the middle of all the chaos and in the midst of all the craziness and the uncertainty and, and the grief too, there's also a lot for us to learn and a lot for us to do mm-hmm. uh, while we can. You know, I, I even just not that long ago, I was doing the news and to some extent, I think for me, it's become now, I'm, I'm kind of getting really numb to like the numbers and the stats. Like I just try to repeat the numbers and kind of close my ears or like shut my ears out, right? Mm-hmm. To not like hear them. And then recently I was like, oh, it was a, a stat of like 108 deaths in LA in one day. And I had to take a moment after and like pause and breathe. And I'm just like, oh my God, these are like insane numbers. And then I had to step back, shed a tear and like grieve. Right. Mm-hmm. I was like, I had to, I had to be like, it's, you have to feel it. You have to feel it out and go back to your job, continue to report the news and be also grateful for the opportunity that you have to do what you do and to be breathing right now right. because those people did not have that chance. Mm, that is, I mean, that's so true. And, you know, and I I think about you especially and people in like the news media or doctors or people who are just like constantly bombarded and in this space where this news is very, very overwhelming. And I'm always curious about how you can do what you do is like be objective and report the news. But at the same time, like you're a sensitive human being, like you're an emotional being. And so like, how do you deal with all of this, like just devastating news, like day after day, week after week, and be able to like find and maintain some sort of peace? Yeah. 
I don't know. Honestly, I can't even tell you. I think it's just one you run on like autopilot, right? Mm-hmm. Just going and you kind of shut out out of certain things that you don't want to hear when you're delivering something. But then, yeah, it's inevitable. I, I was telling my a friend here at work the other day, I'm like, I, we're, I, I'm, I'm feeling and I'm sensing like burnout around all of us. Mm. And like, just exo- like, even if we took some days off, you're still, you can't disconnect. It doesn't end when you leave this new, it doesn't end for me when I leave this room. It continues on and then it kind of grows. So it's, re- it's been really hard to find those ways and those means of like completely disconnecting and like letting things be because it's something that we're living through. I, I think I heard, you know, like a therapist talking about this not that long ago it's like you know we deal with our with our patients and not that I'm saying like patients as our viewers but this is like my family right Mm -hmm. I deal with my family's issues in the community but now the issues and the problems are mine as well Mm. so I have to deal with presenting the information and be objective and be you know understanding and listen to people's stories uh for the most part they're devastating but also have to go home and deal with like a friend that got it right mm-hmm. and then we worried about it or worried about my parents or worried or sad that I haven't seen family or friends for almost a year you know right, and that right. kind of grows on you it's I mean I I feel for people like doctors and everybody who's been on the front line that it's like you haven't even been able to have connections with others at all for long periods of time and then you've been infected like that to me also too feels so real and so like just heartbreaking Yeah. No, I mean, it's like the reality of COVID has not gone anywhere. If anything, it's gotten worse. None of us thought we would be in this pandemic as long as we have been. And, you know, if you're following the news, unfortunately, it doesn't seem like it's going anywhere anytime soon. So I hate this idea of telling people to like adjust to this new normal. But I also think that for our mental health and for like the good of those around us, in some way we do need to do that. And so I just like really encourage everyone to think about like what sort of limiting mindset they had about like just the current environment last year and what was like holding them back or just like them feeling so angry. Cause I know I've been through all of those emotions, just anger and sadness and frustration and feeling like, you know, when am I supposed to, like for me, it's like, when am I supposed to get married now? You know, when am I going to like be able to do all of these things? And, you know, and there's so much resistance to what is and, the idea of just sort of like acknowledging this is what it is, but how can I still find my freedom in this? And I think that Debbie really sort of gives some strong pointers to that. So we yeah. are really excited for you to hear this episode, to be honest with you. I know. I loved connecting with Debbie. She has just this amazing energy. I mean, I wish we could have shared like even us recording it, right, mm-hmm. Jess? Like it was like, we, it was so contagious how she was feeling. And I love that when she was, when we were talking and, and, you know, talking about our experiences, she was like really listening, Mm. like being mindful of what we were saying. And that was something that I'm like, this is why she is who she is. That's why she has so much, so much power in like the meditation she does on her Instagram and through the Chopra center, because she really like embodies everything that she's talking about. A thousand percent. It's so interesting that you say that because there was something very therapeutic about speaking to her. It's like she just like digested every single word we were saying. And I was like, oh shit, this is conscious listening. This is someone who is like present to what you are saying and not like anticipating a response because we do that to each other. You know, whenever we speak to these leaders in the spiritual space who sort of have a level of enlightenment that we're 
trying to get to. And it seems like Mm -hmm. they figured out some trick that we just don't have access to. I love that there's a, a little glimpse of hope that it's like, okay, maybe I can find that sort of stillness inside of myself. Yeah. Maybe I can find yeah. that peace. And for right. me, being this like perpetual people pleaser, it's also that goal of like knowing that your yes is going to mean an absolute yes and your no is going to mean an absolute no. And there's actually Robin, my girl on Peloton, did a whole year of yes series. And she's like, yes without fear and no without guilt. And that is like a mantra I want to lean into this year to be able to say yes without fear and no without guilt. Yeah, that's, that's the goal. I love that one. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we do have, and I think for both of us, our interests lie deeply in like living a more meaningful life and leading a more spiritual life as well amongst our community. And, you know, also like this space within the podcast. So it was, it was, it's always really nice to have and to have these conversations to really learn because we're also, we also don't know everything, right? So it's fascinating to see people like Debbie also being so open to learning themselves. And some thing that she posted recently that also really gravitated with me was like, this was the year that I became more with less. Mm. And, and from, I I remember at the end of last year, I was like, I'm going to do a cleanse. I'm going to detox. And because I really want to be mindful about my spending, mindful about my energy, mindful about all these things. And I was like, and I really wanted to use something like this. And when I saw her post, I was like, you know, I became more with less for a lot of us last year it was also becoming doing the best we could with, with less, right. Mm -hmm, With mm -hmm. having not, not having as much opportunities as we had before with being present around other people and, and then being mindful too, of like the energy we receive and the energy that we give out. Like it's, I, for me, that was this episode with Debbie, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's really taking all these things in, uh, trying to apply them and just learning as much as we can so that we can also adapt them and implement them in our lives. Amen. Well, Debbie, thank you so, so much for joining us on the podcast. We're super excited to have you here with us. I am so honored. Thank you for having me. Thank you for for your space, for your time, and for everything you also do for for the digital and the social community. I mean, you have such an interesting story, Debbie, and I, I feel like we could be here and talk for hours about everything that you've done and everything that you're doing. But give us a little bit, give us a... Um, I, I, I sometimes hate to say it because it happens to me a lot of work. It's like in 140 or 240 characters, a little <laughs> bit about your story. <laughs> yes, yes. I'll give you my please. elevator pitch. Okay. Yes, please. Well, you know, I think um, now how I would have told my story a couple years ago would have been like, I was working in entertainment. I got really burned out and I just felt like I wanted my life to feel fuller and to feel better and to feel like I had things that I was passionate about that also nourished my soul that I got to spend time with. And all of that is 1 million percent true still to this day. But I think now that I look at my life a little deeper, I think it really comes back to, you know, the core of my being, the core of my nature is one of curiosity. It's one of curiosity. It's one of transformation. It's, I have the heart of a seeker. And I think that that has been the guiding force in everything I've ever done and everything that I've ever touched. And so when I was first working in entertainment, it was really feeding my curiosity. I loved talking to people and getting to know their lives and seeing any stories 
any, any, you know, completions of circles that were soothing to me and maybe my audience. And I think in the parameters that I was able to be curious, I just outgrew it. And so I just followed my heart and my heart kind of led me on this very windy, windy path through the world of well-being and mindfulness and energy and healing, but specifically in really investigating trauma and the way it shows up in people's lives and the way that we put up barriers to our own healing. So I think in this moment, I'm somebody that is wildly, wildly passionate about healing, healing both myself and every moment that I can, and then extending anything that I learn along the way to others. When you, when you say trauma, are you referring, referring to like trauma that we've experienced in this lifetime or generational trauma that could have happened with, to our ancestors as well? Oh, all of it. You can't treat one without all of it. So I think, you know, the first step for people is usually first recognizing that they have a story to tell of their own life and really looking at the way things have played out for them and the way things have played out for other people and just starting to observe the differences and starting to observe how it actually felt. You know, I think the way we used to talk to each other 10 years ago might have been like, you know, oh yeah, like, you know, when I was a kid, I was so bad. And my mama used to whip me and such and such. And we'd all be like, ha, 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 ha. Now, parents, their perspectives and our consciousness has risen. It's like you tell that story with a little more depth, of a little more realizing like the effect, the toll it took on you to have that experience with a parent, to have an experience feeling harmed. So, you know, trauma, tra- our investigation of trauma and our healing really starts with those observations of our own experiences. And then we grow and we grow and we heal. And then it comes into a space where we're able to look at kind of the larger ancestral picture. And we're able to really look at like our parents, our elders, our ancestors, the people still in our family structures and extend grace to them and see what were the traumas they endured that then led them to pass on some of those traumas to us. But trauma is like one of those, you know, it's, it's difficult and it's challenging, but it's one of those really beautiful, just like gorgeous roadmaps to God and to yourself. And you just kind of climb the rope, climb the rope and see where it leads you. Right. Kind of like I knew all those knots, right. That come from parents, from grandparents. I, you know, you, you mentioned burnout culture and I feel like it is such an, an important topic to discuss in like the realm that we're living in nowadays or like anxiety, you know, depression, all these topics of conversation that we're not as normalized at before in the workplace uh, are beginning to take form and shape. You mentioned it, that that was what you were experiencing. But prior to that, were you, uh, did, were you interested? Did you know about meditation before you, you got to that moment in your life? You know, I had always been intrigued by it. I didn't know what it meant and I didn't know how to begin it, you know, but I remember as a kid, just also by nature of that deep curiosity I spoke to, I was always investigating, like, what did people believe in and why? Ever since I was a little girl, that was interesting to me. But growing up in Los Angeles was really a blessing in my life because you get to see so many different cultures and so many different belief systems all at one time. And so it just constantly had my brain firing and like my heart kind of questioning. And so I'd always been aware of meditation to a certain degree. Heard of it, saw, you know, different like Buddhas and, you know, different symbolism everywhere, saw like Zen everywhere, but I didn't know what it what it meant. And when I got to the point in my career where, you know, I call it busy burnout, but really it was just like, it was just like the veil of, of illusion coming down. 
You know, it was me realizing society told me that if I had X, Y, and Z, that's success and that's happiness. And then getting that and saying, why do I still feel empty? Why do I feel like this isn't enough? Why am I exhausted for things that are not filling me? And I didn't have the language then to say like filling my soul or nourishing my soul. You know, people have that language now. That language was not there then. Um, So I was just like, what is this? I have like a seed of emptiness inside of me. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, and I think that's when I really started investigating my connection to work and my connection to productivity and my connection to like, how did I value my worth? How did I measure my worth? And I think that busy burnout for me, I didn't know I was burned out at the time. I was proud of it. Like looking back, I call it burnout. Looking back, I'm like, oh my God, I was stressed and exhausted. My body was failing. Like it was just like, oh. But at the time, I was like wearing it as a badge of honor. Yeah, I'm getting things done. I'm doing yeah, it. Look right. at me killing this. Like, yes. Like, oh, I work, you worked how long? Oh, I worked 18 hours today. I haven't slept in weeks. I got off a plane. I did this, you know? And so it felt like exciting and maybe a little even like made me stand up a little taller around people, you and know? People, yeah. people like celebrate that. Like, let's be honest. Oh, right? sure. Like people absolutely want you to be like busting your butt, especially if you live in like a city like New York or LA or a city that like really rewards people for what Mm -hmm. they've done, not who they are. Yeah. The idea of being busy all the time too, like of rushing and running for things. It hasn't been so interesting. I don't want to speak for y'all, but for me, it's been so interesting in this pandemic. I feel like I've been even though I kind of had already taken on a slow down pace, even working in like wellness and well-being, I was still very productivity focused. And I feel like this pandemic has made me re-experience what time in a day feels like. You know, like I, I feel like I'm like I'm experiencing time differently. You're not rushing places. You're not late. You're not, you know, it's like I might be rushing from Zoom to Zoom, but I'm not like rushing to and from places in this moment, you know? So yeah. that, that's been really interesting to experience. That's interesting that you say that because I'm, I'm also very aware of the fact that I think that people are feeling more burnt out in this pandemic than they felt before, you know, because they no yeah. longer maybe have the same support systems or their kids aren't going to school or whatever it may be. And so I think like... The, the pendulum has swung both ways for for totally. various people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're so right about that. I think for me, it's it's swung in the opposite way where I've just been trying to really lean into, I can't control this. Life is inherently uncertain. And so let me surrender and let me not try to control everything. Like where where will this day inside of my house take me? <laughs> I I wish that was my response because I found, especially when the pandemic first kicked off, that I was like, okay, well, this is great. I'll have more time for my projects. And, you know, I'll learn how to do this and I'll work on this. And all of us, you know, and I gave myself, and I know, yeah, I was talking about this, like tasks, like almost Uh like we need to have this accomplished by the time, like the streets open up again and we go back. So that this way, when we see people after a year and a half, it's like, what have you done? Oh, well, I have built a house. I have learned how to speak Learn French. to cook. I, yeah, exactly. It's like make sourdough these... bread and I know how yeah, to change yeah. tires. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so I'm like, look, and I'm trying to, because the fact that it's like, I'm fortunate enough to have, I go to a room to work and I go to another room to like chill. 
which I recognize like offices are now kitchens and all of that sort of stuff. But I'm like, if I'm on my couch before 7 p.m., I'm like beating myself up about it. Mm. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I think there's opportunity there if you feel so called to really to really practice maybe savoring this moment and seeing like what that feels like to not have that schedule and to maybe do a day when you can, when you don't have like, you know, all of the things, a day to maybe just say, I have nothing to do today. Let me see how that feels. Let me see if I can connect to my house a little deeper. Let me see like, what, what does the light look like coming in the window at this time? Or what is, you know, what is a way that I can, I can beautify or I can bring like ritual into the space? I think that would help because I, I was definitely at the top of the pandemic. I was very much the same. I, was, I, I had went out and bought a calendar so I could make it my task calendar. And I was like, all right, so we're in a pandemic. That stack of books you've been hoarding for years, like you're going to read them. So you're going to read chapter one through three on Monday, chapter this. And I had it all mapped out. And I was like, oh, I'm going to come out of this like a genius. Like I'm going to know everything. And then I started realizing that's not what this moment is for. You know, that's, that's not what this moment is for spiritually and energetically. It just like cosmically, it doesn't make any sense for us to apply the same logic in quote unquote normal times to right now that we would, you know, it's time to switch it up and say like, what's another way of being? What's another way that I can feel right now? Right. You know, that's, that's, that's crazy because yeah, I, I, at the beginning of the pandemic talking back with like Jess was saying, I had a list a few lists of things I was going to accomplish with my boyfriend of things I was going to accomplish personally. I don't think I got through like three of those lists to be honest. But what I realized for me being in this busyness all the time and getting things done and trying to accomplish everything was that it gave me more space to really dive into things that I kept pushing off to the side, but I'm I'm talking like emotional and like wounds and trauma and triggers that I've been, I've been like putting to the side because I was so busy and I was on the go that this, that when I had to, when I was sitting down on my couch for like a few hours, I was like, Oh, all right. Why is this coming up? What is it showing me? Now I have the time, a little bit more time and a little bit more energy to dedicate to this. That was accumulating so much more in myself. So yeah, it was, it was a very interesting time. That's so beautiful. That's exactly what this time is for. You know, it's like, and I think that's what's made it probably the most challenging for so Mm -hmm. many. It's like, you're meeting yourself for the first time sometimes, you know, in this moment, I think that there is a lot of folks that are just getting to know themselves. What do I like? What do I dislike? Who am I? Who am I without the roles that I play, without my job title, without access to this or access to that, you know? And for anybody that resonates with that, instead of feeling terrified by it, like, oh, just hug it, like dive right. into it. Be curious about yourself. There's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing broken about you. We're all just human beings doing our best. And so, you know, I have my days too. When the safer at home order came back down strict, I think for us here in California, like for me, this was like a couple of weeks ago. I was doing great. And then all of a sudden I was in the car and I just started crying. I was like, ah! <laughs> and then I said, oh my God, what is this? What's coming up? And, and I think for me, it was just, it was just realizing like, okay, okay. So even the new plans you were trying to create for yourself in the next year are up for debate, you know, yeah. it's okay. Like breathe into it. But in those moments, like with the traumas and triggers, something I love to do is just really 
just be joyfully curious about yourself, like flirt with your trauma, flirt with your triggers, you know, instead of feeling like, oh my God, here I am getting upset again, or, oh, I'm so emotional. Like, you know, the way I kind of do it, I'm just like, oh, girl, what's wrong? Mm. Ooh, you are feeling spicy today. Or wow, you're feeling really fragile today. What is that? What's going on? It's okay, you know, and just just being a friend to yourself. Mm. And then when you ask those types of questions, do you find that you, like, how long does it usually take for you to actually get a response? At this moment of my life, it happens like pretty instantaneously. Like, uh, like I'll be able to be like, okay, you're upset because of this, this, and this, and then follow it down the road and be like, because when you were three years old, that happened, you know, like now (laughs) I kind of do it like that. (laughs) I think it's not even with that relinquish control and just let the answers come to you because the real reward in that moment is not getting to the bottom of something. It's treating yourself with the dignity of your process and it's treating yourself with the tenderness and the care and the loving that you deserve. I love that. That's beautiful. That's a gem for sure, Debbie. Yes, that is. I'm also, I'm just like processing and I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's it's so hard, right? And I'm so curious as to like when you started this, what 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 would you say that this is actually that you started? That you started on your like spiritual awakening, your healing journey. What would you call it? I think it's all the things, right? It's it's the constant dark nights of the soul. It's that, you know, it's just that that awakening to your inner knowing that there's more available to you and then setting out like on the path and the quest to find it. I think like I really so my background is I'm an only child. I was raised by a single parent. I was also a latchkey kid for most of my life. So what that lends itself to is a lot of isolated time, lots and lots and lots of isolated time, lots of time existing in adult worlds and in adult conversations. And I think by nature of that, I've always been inside my own head in that way. But probably like around 2010 is when I started getting really curious about myself. I had just moved across the country for a job. I had moved all by myself. I had come, you know, I had left LA where I had a lifelong friends. I had entertainment friends. I had like fun and party and events that I had moved to a place completely different for work and knew not one person in the city. And that's when it, my awakening really came in heavy. And it was just like, oh, I'm meeting myself for the first time. Oh my God, everything that... I was distracted with before. I don't have as like my tool to avoid. Now I'm looking at myself. Now I'm questioning different things in my childhood. Now I'm, you know, now I'm looking at this with this lens. So that's when it really like the inquisition of self really started with me. But probably around 2012 is when 11 or 12 is when I learned how to meditate. And so that started like another, another step in the journey. And then you're, you're just going steps and steps and steps. And finally, you find your recipe. And I think in this moment, like being in the pandemic has been one of the greatest blessings of my life in terms of really being able to just excavate the stuff that I was still avoiding and not looking at and just learning how to live in joy. Like I never fully understood that. I really understood what happy was and I understood like content or pleased or satisfied, but I never really understood the concept of joy. And so... When the pandemic hit, I was like, well, let me practice. Let me use this as an opportunity to like be a spiritual scientist. Let me, let me see what this joy is all about and if it really works, like how I can yeah. really utilize it in this yeah. time, you know? 
right. Was this was this exploring for you like this transition? Did you is that when it, it is that when you started also looking into other practices like Reiki, sound meditation, or was is this all significantly new to you? No, I, you know what? And it's so funny how we do things with, without even realizing why, but I've always, always been like an explorer at heart. So I've always been down to try all the things, even when I didn't know what it looked like. So I've actually been like doing even, but way before I learned meditation, I would get energy healing done, or I'd speak to different healers and intuitives for the last 15 years. And then I decided in the last couple of years that I wanted to move forward with like my personal education of energy. And that's when I got like some formal training and did some certifications to really understand more deeply. But I've been impacted by energy work and energy healing for at least the last 15 years. Oh, wow. That's incredible. It's, it's a game changer. I think anybody that's listening that, you know, is on their own spiritual journey or well-being journey, Add in some energy work to that. Find something in your area. Right now, there's some really powerful energies that can even be transmitted through Zoom, you know, working with people on Zoom. Um, but it is, such, it is such an incredible accelerator of your spiritual journey. Yeah. It truly is. And it, it provides kind of the functioning of like somatic experiencing. Like if anyone is familiar, like if there, there's different kinds of therapists and psychologists. And so one kind is like somatic experiencing and, and you can be talking about things that are going on and then you're, you're kind of being scanned through your body to see if there's any tension being held around certain memories or certain like limiting beliefs. And then you're like dissolving it in real time, giving it breath. Energy work kind of works much in the same way in that, at least in my experience with it personally, you know, I think it, I think it fast tracks being able to dissolve trauma and not just like consciously in your spirit, but like in yourself. So once you started to really dive into all of, all of these modalities, is that what then opened you up to the opportunity to be the chief impact officer at the Chopra Center? Or was that like a whole nother journey in and of itself? I think they're all their own unique journeys. I mean, I think that I kind of created like the nice, right buffet style for myself for mm-hmm. like my healing and also my right. education, you know? But I think, you know, I think in this moment, something I feel really grateful for is that I can spend my work days much like I spend a day off, you know, just really entrenched in the work and in the science and in the practice of well-being and joy and healing. But yeah, so I, I feel super grateful for the opportunity to work for a company that changed my life and for a guru that changed my life. And it's just, it's a joy to be able to teach this work and to lead meditations every day. Wow. That, that, that uh, did something to me to just say, like I doing every day, what I could do on my day off. I wish I could do that too. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, sometimes it's chaos um, in news. But, you know, I, I love Debbie, that you, you know, again, going back to sharing every, a lot of the stuff that you do on social and digital, being so open about your journey. You talk a lot about, women of color involved in, in the industry, right? Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, I think, I feel like in the last few years, a lot of people have argued and talked about this issue in the wellness industry. And it's become so commodified, so commercial, not so inclusive uh, to, to women of color in particular. How do we find a balance? How, what is it yeah. that, what is your uh, message 
uh, for the industry and for individuals too that want to tap into this space? Yeah, you know, and that's such a that's such a beautifully worded question because it's really it's really a multitude of reasons why we see such differences in the demographics that are not just teachers and facilitators of healing and well-being, but also consumers. And I think that, you know, on, on one end of the spectrum, you do have an industry that much like many industries up until very recently were only white focused. You know, the ideal and the standard was whiteness as goodness and whiteness as the consumers of luxury and the people that had access to the time and the resources. They didn't have much experience with any other groups of people and no real knowledge of their individual journeys. And so I think that lent itself to really, really, really white spaces of most often sacred and indigenous work, you know, and and work from other cultures, profiting in that space and teaching this work, but not necessarily extending it outside of communities that were easily known to them. I think on the other flip side of that, you know, when you have communities of color, there's often so, so many cultural beliefs and so many family traditions and family beliefs that I think keep people from being able to investigate other paths that might be serving to them. And so a lot of times, if you're from a community of color, you might have heard about the meditation retreat. You might absolutely have the resources to get there, but you might look at it and say, what is this juju? You know, like, what is what is this stuff? Oh, no, no, no. We don't do that. We don't, you know. And so I think it's kind of both things. I think that even though this work is ancient, you know, most of the text is well over 3,000 years old. I think it's still, you know, there's still a lot of education around it that has to happen. I'm asked every single day, multiple times a day, if meditation is against God, you know. And so I think that that just shows like we still have so far to come in unpacking our belief systems and in really like challenging them and finding things that are just really nourishing for our own spirits. And then I think on the flip side of that, the wellness industry has to get out of the spaces it's existed in and really push itself to understand other cultures and understand the level of healing and access that other cultures need to have, deserve to have, ways in which to talk to other communities. You know, I think it's very very multi-layered from a few different angles, but it's changing. And I am so excited about that. The first like several years I was in the industry, everywhere I went, I was the only Black millennial woman in every single room that I was in. Every single room, whether it was a room of 500, 1,000, a room of 30, like whether I was in this country, another country, everywhere I went, you know, it was typically... I would say like 45 and up, like 45 through 75 white and mostly white women. And now that is really changing. There are so many people coming out with their gorgeous healing work in their communities and so many opportunities to learn. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's so important because it's also about these brands, which already have more money and access to constantly finding ways to amplify authentic voices. Yeah. And it becomes a big problem where people then try to be like, oh, we're tapped in, but then you get the appropriation because they're not really tapped in. So to see someone like yourself who has been like amplified in the Chopra Center, for example, or just amplified, you know, in with as being an author and having all of this opportunity to speak to more women of color, it's really freeing and liberating, but it goes back to, you know, this room and the idea, for example, that you said that like you get asked, like 
um, meditating is like against prayer. I'm like, I can a thousand percent relate to that. But the irony that the more you meditate, the deeper you can go in prayer and how we are just, we, we sometimes apply our own shackles to ourselves. And that's, yeah. you know, the sad, sad truth. And that I think goes back to that trauma. The years of being told that what we believe and what we do and how we look and how we act are satanic or that there's something wrong with our bodies and all of those things. Yeah. So many of the lies we tell ourselves, even, you know, some people even stay stuck on purpose by saying, oh, well, I don't believe in that kind of stuff because now that's their excuse that feels really righteous of them saying, I'm not ready to heal. I don't actually want to look at me. And I don't even want to do a brief Google search to see if what I said is true or not, because I want to have this wall up. And that's okay. Like we can all, nobody is forced to heal. We can all choose our path in this life. Like if you're not ready, I'm not going to force you to be ready. This is your choice, right? I'm going to go back to focusing on myself. (laughs) But you know, it's just interesting to observe it because I think at the forefront of it, let's be honest with ourselves. You know, you can be honest with yourself and say, I don't want to do this work right now. Like, let's at least minimize the amount of times that we're going to betray ourselves. Right. You you mentioned community. And I think, you know, that's, I, I always, I always find it so interesting when we talk about community, especially in the virtual space, right? In the digital world, because as much as we are connected, we're, we're also so detached, you know, from so many things going on. You know, authentic community, when we talk about support in the virtual world and the digital spaces, how have you found uh, your community? What does it look like? Well, right now, my community is myself and my child inside the house. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, I think I have a really vast community in, in many different ways. I have the community that I work with through my company, Karma Bliss and Karma Gang. I have my my personal tribe of friends, my tribe of friends that are into this stuff that I do and friends that have no idea what I'm doing and love to tell me I'm crazy. (laughs) But I think at the core of it, you know, the way I build tribe is really just rooted in joy and connection. I don't expect other people to meet my needs. I don't expect other people to do my work for me. And so through that, there's not really much that I take personally. Like I know that I'm equipped for the things that I need when I need refueling, when I need healing. Um, and when, I, when I'm able to share that with the people in my life, it is such a gift that I feel so grateful for and such a blessing. But I'm also not in relationships with anyone where we are putting pressure on one another to show up for each other in different ways with judgment. You know, like we're, we're in a space where when we can, we are so happily and grateful to be able to show up for each other. And when we can't, that's okay too. So I think that that's kind of the, the community I exist in now where it's just, you know, just a, just an equal exchange of energy and non-judgment with one another. You know, that, that's really all that I have capacity and space for now. If it, if it requires a lot of work, I can't do it. I have other things and other priorities. I have my child, you know, I want to show up, but I also want to be able to do it in a way that I have my healthy boundaries intact and I'm making self-honoring choices. It's interesting because you say boundaries and I think boundaries can also be very triggering for a lot of people. And especially in POC households. And because the whole idea is that it's community. You show up for us. You, you, especially women, you break your back 
to accommodate, right? And I'm I'm just so curious because in the work that you do, which is like to help in healing and to help in people really like coming to their most spiritual highest selves, there's sometimes it's always, it's almost hard because this idea of service, but then at the same time, sending, setting up boundaries is very difficult for people to like figure out, like, how can I be of service to others? But at the same time, tell them I'm, I'm just exactly. happy. Yeah. Like I'm that's like without a guilt that like weighs you down like oh. So what you're describing right now isn't being of service. What you're describing is being a martyr. Mm. So it's being someone that is recklessly going over their own boundaries and avoiding their own care, mm. and is typically more of on the side of like codependency, like which is like layman's terms, like people pleaser, right? Like the whole thing of like, I feel worthy and I feel valid when other people are telling me I am, or when Mm -hmm. I'm showing up for other people in like specific tangible ways that are provable, you know? And I think, and, and that's fine. I used to, I used to be in that space, you know, to serve, to be called to serve others means that you are really deeply connected to your internal power, to your personal power. So it's coming from an empowered space not a space of lack, not a space of proving, not a space of self-avoidance masked as like righteousness or piousness, you know? I think that that's really important to look at that, you know? When we are in service of others, it's because we are very clear on who we are and we know what we have the capacity to give and we don't go over that point in harm of ourselves. Yeah. Oh, Debbie, we're going to yeah. have an entire episode yeah. on the Queens and Girls because <laughs> it is. <laughs> I'm like, me, drag me. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, excuse I, me, I'm I, just going to go journal and cry. I'll be right yeah. back. <laughs> You're okay, Jess. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love that. That's so great. Talking this topic is so important, and you're right, Jess. I, this could be an entire, uh, you know, conversation because we talk a lot of uh, a lot about this all the time. Boundaries, I and and relationships. So I'm just curious, Debbie. Like when it comes to your personal relationships, you you talk a lot about also like sisterhood, right? And tribes. When you share stuff on social media, like have you had to like cut ties with people? Do you have to? do constant like detox cleanses of the energy that you surround yourself with? Or do you have, I don't know, because I feel like sometimes I have certain friends, right. That are completely in tune with me in my, in, in my spirituality, but there are friends that could never, I could never, but I, they're still a part of me yeah. that, you know, connects with them, you know, yeah. whether it's because of work, whether it's because we grew up together, whether it's because it's family, like, I mean, how do you manage? Mm, that's such a great question. Just because, you know, someone isn't like you doesn't mean you have to cut them off. You know, I have, I have, I, <laughs> I engage in lively debate with so many of my friends that just completely are not in, are not aligned with the way that I experienced God or in the way that I experienced my well. And that's fine. Like, you know, we just explore each other and we do it with respect and curiosity and and fun you know we don't have to believe the same things to honor one another and to love each other and to show up for each other i think you know i'm in a space now where my energy is so strongly protected by me at all times that i and by god by the divine first and foremost at all times so i find that i don't actually have as many 
experiences of having to see who's around me as probably I did when I was younger, by far. You know, because I also, I think when you're in a space with your own healing, you're just naturally not available for people. And so, so much of the natural fall off happens, which is fine. And it only is like problematic when we're trying to clinch for each other because we're saying, oh, you're not talking to me. I'm not talking to you. Oh, I'm not talking to you. So you're not talking to me, right? As opposed to just, hey, in this moment in time, we're doing our own thing and we're following the natural flow and the natural order and it doesn't have to be beef, you know? But I think I definitely, you know, something that's really important to me that I walk with is dignity and integrity. First and foremost, dignity, integrity, kindness, being of service is important to me. So naturally, I think if people's character is not close to the way that I hold myself, which is not to say they have to believe what I believe. But for instance, I don't gossip about people. It is highly unlikely that I would be close friends with someone that derives joy from gossiping about people. Not to judge them, but that's just not how I experience the world. And so we just naturally would not be a fit for each other. We wouldn't be able to meet one another's needs or you know, not meet each other's needs, but we wouldn't be... We wouldn't have that codependency. We wouldn't be able to really exist. So I think that's kind of the way that I look at it. I've absolutely, you know, without saying like, I cut this person off, you know, but I've blissfully disengaged from plenty of people and I'll continue to, Lord willing, you know, for the, hopefully I'm here for a million years, you know, I'll be able to keep doing it. But yeah, I just follow the natural flow. I really check in with my heart. I check in with spirit. I check in with my body. You know, does this, this person feel comfortable and safe? Does this person have the same like honor and reverence for my time and knowing me that I have for them? And if the answers are no to that, you know, um, that's okay. I don't have to be mad at them. I don't have to hate them. I don't have to, I just, I can't give time to that. I can't give time to anything that is not an enthusiastic yes. If it's just like, yeah, okay, we can meet up or yeah. No, it has to be, yes, God, I would love to be in your orbit. Like, God, I would love to spend time with you. Yes, let's do it. If it's not that, life is just too short. What does that look like for you to say no to someone who is like, a? it's a, mm, sure. What does that look like? I just say no. Mm. I just say no. There, there's no other excuse needed. And, I, and learning, learning how to know is a process. I do not want to make it seem like I just came out the womb and I was ready with my healthy boundaries, ready to go. This has been years in the making, years. I had to really take a deep look at myself and really observe and study why would I say yes when I meant no? Why? And then just observe it and see what's the deeper layer behind that. Am I scared that I won't be valued? Am I scared that someone will be upset at me? Where is the fear deriving from? You know, I get excited when people tell me no. <laughs> like when, when people tell me no to things, I'm like, okay, look at you with your healthy boundaries. Like, okay, like, you know, like I don't have to be offended by it either. You know, everybody right. has a right to make their own decisions. Everybody has a right to do the things that they want to do. You know, and, and if we want that for ourselves, then we have to give other people that same permission too. Absolutely. Yeah. When you said blissfully disengage, is that your way of like cleansing negativity from you? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I don't want to look at things as always having to be hard or challenging. Life is really, really challenging Mm. without me doing anything. (laughs) 
Yo, for real. So it's like, it's like <laughs> yo, like earth is wild. And so, you know, to for the things that I do have choice in, I always want to do it with integrity. I always want to do it from a place of love. And that even means the difficult stuff. I mean, that even means like, I preference and judgment are two different things. So I can, I cannot like someone because that's my preference, but that doesn't mean I'm in judgment of them. You know, I'm holding them to a certain standard or I'm viewing them from a particular lens. It's like, hey, I like chocolate ice cream. I don't like vanilla ice cream. I don't hate vanilla. I just don't want to eat it, right? Like I'm not going to run around town saying vanilla is a piece of crap. Like, you know, I just personally don't want to eat it. And that's kind of how I view people and how I view anyone that I've split paths with. That's how I view friendships. It's like, you know, like we can disengage and you can still be so deserving of an amazing life. And I don't have to be in it for that to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Debbie, with with your meditation practice, with your work, with the spaces that you are creating, I'm curious, like, what is self-care to you and how has it evolved? How has it been shaped by everything that you do now? Self-care is my way of honoring myself and my way of showing up for me. And I think I've now come into a completely different space of self-care, even in the last like eight months of this pandemic than I've ever been in before. My self-care previously was really rigid and it was really just kind of rooted on some of the fundamentals. Like, okay, every morning you're going to meditate. Every morning you're going to work out or you're going to stretch your body or something and you're going to do your affirmations. And that was kind of my self-care and it was beautiful, loved it, served me. Um, But in the pandemic, I was like, okay, I need more. That's not going to cut it for whatever this is. So I I need something more to feel full. So now my self-care routine is completely different. It used to be in the morning. Now it's at night. Now it includes like putting on incredible playlists and dancing and lighting candles and meditating and journaling and stretching and just being with myself, but really doing it through ritual, you know, lighting candles, using oils, burning incense, sage, kapal, using my sound healing. Like, I'm just like, kind of like in my space, like mixing it up like a big bowl, like just like, (laughs) all right, let me add a little more of this. Let me add that. Yeah, after yeah. I put my yeah. Like, what oh, yeah. Are you doing out there? <laughs> Even though he does like to meditate, I will say that for oh, sixty seconds, it. he's always like, "Let's go meditate." But yeah, after he goes to bed, that's like my time. And and you know, we have to when we think of our self care rituals, we have to really look at it from, you know, how do I meet my needs? And then don't be scared to change. Is this still meeting my needs? No, I don't really like doing it okay, get it off the list. Like you're not proving anything to anyone. If it, if it doesn't bring you joy, there's no point in doing it. And so then you put on, you know, other things that feel good. And sometimes you have to really make space. Uh, when the pandemic hit, I just realized the way that I used my free time really had to change. Like previously, like, you know, I would be down for like a great binge, you know, at night before bed as my way of decompressing and like getting the day off me and my entertainment. I have not watched, I've watched maybe at the most, at the most one hour of TV per week for the last eight months. Usually like on a Sunday night, like I have to use this time intentionally for myself. So that's when I kind of started this like dance practice. Cause I'm like, I don't want to meditate all night every night. Right. Like, so I'm like, what else could feel really good? And, and so I started doing like different movements with my body and, and really like rediscovering 
music and jazz and instrumentation and just kind of built my self-care practice from there. You got a playlist out there, girl? Yeah, can you share some Listen, of them? let me put y'all onto game. I swear they owe me an endorsement <laughs> at this point. Soul Lection by Joe Kay is the gift that keeps on giving. Like it has changed my life. It is one of the most gorgeous and healing mix shows I have ever heard. I always get to discover new music. Yeah, it's he's super talented. So awesome. All highly right. recommend. We'll look out for that. Writing it down. Yes, exactly. Are there in these rituals that you've created also, which by the way, I love because I've really tried to like create a ritual that I follow in the morning, but I'm not a morning person. So getting up early is very difficult for me. And then if I don't hit it, it's like, damn it, I failed again. So I love this idea of like a nighttime thing. Yeah, like, I me too. Time to like jam with myself and be with myself. Yeah. So I, 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 I love because I feel like sometimes it's, it's crazy how like the self-care world can also have feel so regimented and full of rules. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Really? For it, sure. It's just like, if you don't meditate for 30 minutes every day and you don't keep your feet up the wall for at least 10 minutes and like be with this chakra or whatever, yeah, it yeah. be, it's like, then bitch, you probably had a bad day. And it's like... <laughs> exhausting I know it really really is so it's great and very refreshing to hear you be like switch it up things get stale kind of like it reminds me of like workout routines right they say you shouldn't every day because your body it'll get used to it or it just it doesn't respond to it and so that sense of like feeling yourself out I'm doing that as I'm like shimmying everybody I'm literally like feeling it out (laughs) Um, and I, and I really, really love, love that idea. So thank you. You know, are there certain crystals or certain affirmations that you find to be really helpful to yourself on like a daily, weekly basis? Yeah, I think and to answer this question, I think it, it's also important for everyone to find their own recipe because I can share with you what I use, but I'm on my own journey, right? So like what I use is very specific to the things that I'm cultivating inside of myself. Um, How do you recommend we do that? Yeah, start researching, start getting curious and getting creative. Now more than ever, my God, there's so many resources. Like I remember like just the way that I got information 10 years ago, it it was like in the whispers at events. You know, it's like once a year, if you went to this event, you'd meet a few other people kind of like you. And then you guys would whisper to each other about like what you use and what you do. And now I'm like, every time I scroll Instagram, there was like a breakthrough and a blessing. And I'm like, what? I spent so much money on this before Instagram. (laughs) But I would say, you know, start, start getting curious with, with the things around you and with crystals and like, Great crystals to start with are that are really easy to find and available are like amethyst, which is really great for connecting with divine energy, connected to your crown chakra. It's really beautiful for helping to break different patterns or become aware of different patterns. Clear quartz, that is one that is so easy to find, but it's such an OG. Like it is one of those stones you have to have as a staple in your collection. Great for clarity and focus, purification. I'm a big fan of also staying stocked with like a black crystal, like obsidian or black tourmaline or onyx. Those are really great for warding off negativity. Blue is really good for communication. Everybody should have lapis. It's really an amazing stone for truthful communication, honoring your voice, honoring your feelings. Wow. I love those. 
And also Lapis is beautiful. I mean, right? all of these are, but like Lapis for me, like in particular, like it looks just incredible. It's one of my faves too. Mm-hmm. Debbie, so, you know, now we're, we're coming to an end. We wish we had more time with you. But I, you know, manifesting the life that we want this 2021, you know, what are, how is it that you're, uh, that you're starting off the, in the midst of everything that we're living? I say really, really claim your heart's deepest desires. You know, this is not a time in life to play small. We've all just survived one of the most challenging times in human history. And we're still in the thick of it. So there's no need to ever play a limited role, to ever play small again. You know, you have survived the biggest obstacles in your life thus far just in the last eight months. And our collective consciousness is so high at this time. And so this is a moment to really say it with your chest, say it with courage. Everything you think and feel is valid. And God does not put a dream on our hearts and our minds that we can't fulfill. If there is a seed that has been planted in you, something that you can't stop thinking about or visualizing or yearning for or wishing for, it's there because you're supposed to know it. You're supposed to experience it. And so write it down, write it down with fullness. You know, if you're working on manifesting like key things you want to see in your year, start with you. Start with what are new characteristics or qualities that you want to manifest within yourself so that when all these other things happen, you'll be at the level of character, the level of discernment, the level of inner wisdom to actually receive them and to actually like maximize on that potential for your life. But write it down and then visualize it. Really give time before this next year starts. I don't know when this airs, but from a planetary perspective, we are in a hot spot right now. Like, oh my God, December is such a hot spot for manifestation. It's going to um, air in January. You're, you're probably actually going to be one of the first episodes. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> okay. So really top of the year, like December and January are both really hot spots right now for bringing forward energy that is of your highest good. When you write it down, be specific. And then as you visualize it, be even more specific. Don't just like if you're visualizing the job of your dreams, right? Don't just visualize like, oh, I have this title and I'm at work. Savor it. I want you to close your eyes. What would that drive to work look like? What would you drink in the morning? Would you have coffee? What would you eat? What would it smell like walking into that office space? How would you feel about yourself on the inside? How do you want to show up in that new job? What do you want people to perceive when they experience you at work? How will you show up for others? Like visualize it, but not just from the ego standpoint of having something you want, but from the standpoint of like, when I am blessed with manifesting this, how will I use it for my highest? How will I use it for the highest good of those connected to me? So when we deepen our intention, especially when we move past ego, the opportunity to manifest the life of your dreams, it's just limitless. Ooh, amen. Amen. Like, it is just, <laughs> I love that. I love that so yes. much. That is so appreciated. I felt oh, like I was cool. almost like in a trance right there yeah, yeah, as yeah. you were speaking. Like, I'm I was like, like, absolutely, absolutely. It's, uh, it's really interesting because I just had this realization with my partner. I think it was honestly like yesterday. And it makes me think of something that you said earlier in the conversation, which was about the fact that like, we're constantly learning and revealing like undercut layers that have been covered up for so long and that we're like constantly getting to know ourselves. And one of the things that you mentioned in terms of visualization is 
When I was younger, I used to visualize things all of the time. And somewhere along the lines, it was either... I, I grew up in the church and um, it was a pretty conservative background at the time. And so I feel like somewhere along the lines, the wires got crossed. And I thought like, if I'm visualizing too much, I'm being greedy and I'm not asking mm. for what God is like offering me, you know, mm-hmm. and I should be more humble and I should just settle. So I had a fear that everything I visualize isn't going to come true. Mm. So I would try to stop visualizing. And I'm like, literally like telling him, I'm like, I am 34 years old. And I just realized that the visions that God has been giving me, I've been pushing them away this entire time. And I need wow. to be visualizing and stepping into that. So like, as you say that, I just feel that wholeheartedly. And it's such a powerful message that I know I needed to receive. And I'm sure there's so many people out there that did. For sure. For sure. Thank you. I love that. I hope you start visualizing more and keep, even if you feel like, oh, I can't see it as vividly as I used to do it every day. It will come back. I love that. I love that. Thank you so much, Debbie for your Thank time, you. for the space, for it's your amazing. beautiful energy. Again, we're huge fans of, of everything that you do. And we hope that you continue to grow and share uh, the amazing things that you are doing with the, with the community. Thank you so much. I'm so grateful for you both. And it has been amazing talking to you. Um, so I really appreciate it. Thank you guys. Damn, y'all, I am, I love this episode. I am so glad we started the new year with this. This is the type of energy we're trying to bring. We are not going to let other people determine how we're going to feel, how we're going to move, how we're going to live. We're yes. going to move in power. And I just, that's my prayer for every single person listening, that we just, you know, feel our most complete, honest, authentic selves. And we're so, so excited for this season, for where the podcast is going. Yadel and I have really been working hard these past few months. We have an amazing producer we're working with, Teresa Avila, and she is just getting our butts into shape. This podcast is feeling, looking dope. As you can see, we've got a new look. We've got a new website. Go to it at weightholdsuppodcast.com. You can email us at Hola at weightholdsuppodcast.com. That's right. Email's all official. I know. There's just so much that we're, we're, we we just, it feels like there's a clarity with the podcast and the direction that we're moving in. And I think the biggest word for us this year in podcasting is also consistency. Like we want to just be constantly bringing you all amazing content from fresh voices in the community that you need to know about and making sure that we're living our most authentic lives holistically, you know, and, and honestly for all of us. So we can't wait for you to experience what we have coming for you this season, this year, this next phase of the podcast, because it's it's brand new and, and we're hyped. And it's also, you know, something that another learning lesson for both of us, like it's always, it's okay to ask for help sometimes, mm-hmm. right? It's okay to be uh, making space for others to come in and guide you and, uh, and, you know, advise you and move you through different kind of like leaps that you're going through in whatever roller coaster of your life. Like, I think that as much as you and I handled everything with the podcast, like it's, it's really important for us to like bring in someone else, right? Mm-hmm. Another set of eyes to make things easier for both of us and to make things also much more meaningful for all our listeners. Absolutely. So yeah, once again, thank you to Teresa. And you know, if you're listening, make sure you leave us your review on Apple Podcasts. 
check us out on Spotify as well. And yeah, make sure to follow all our social media. We're on TikTok too. Oh, snap. We're on TikTok. We <laughs> are about to bust out our Gen Z um, vibes <laughs> and get up into yeah. TikTok. So yes, and it's Wait Holds Up Pod on TikTok and Instagram. So we hope that you'll follow us. Until yes. next time, sending you all mad love and positive energy your way. Yes, stay safe. Take care of yourselves. We love you. Bye.